Truth is the authority. All right, first thing, bring your A game because I'll take nothing less. I mean, we don't need more regulations. We need far less of that. We're going to have an open and honest discussion, but the numbers are what matter. The facts matter. Forget about the Republicans and the Democrats for a minute. Let's talk about the people. I've lived the American dream, and I want so many more people to be able to live the American dream. My show is what it says. It's common sense. We've jettisoned political correctness. It's principles and policies that work for everybody. I just want to talk about how to fix this country. The David Webb Show. Terry Pickett brought up uh, a number of issues in her segment. We're talking about the various issues with, you know, the bills in D.C., the debt ceiling, the debt limit, rampant spending. Uh, She didn't say that. I did. But that's the reality. Congress, uh, you know, drafting even more of this just trillion dollar they call it reconciliation. I don't know how you reconcile this with any sense of economic governance or sound economic principles. Uh, but what we're seeing is an unabashed public attempt to use our own economy and hand it over to the government. Fundamentally transform our country where the economic foundation exists. Let's go back to an old friend of the show, Akash Shiguli, VP of Economic Opportunity at Stand Together, Senior Policy Advisor on Economic Issues at Americans for Prosperity. Akash, great to have you back here. Thanks so much for having me on, David. I got to tell you, when I look at this and I'm starting to see something before we even get into the nuts and bolts and and the things that really concern you and the folks over there at AFP, I'm seeing an unabashed public display followed by actions of a left that feels as if, and maybe rightfully so in some cases, they're in charge, let them eat cake and you can't stop us. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, you know, at a very high level, like you said, before we get into the nuts and bolts, we had a very, very close election last year, right? Another very close presidential election, a tied Senate, and Nancy Pelosi has, what, a five-seat majority in the House of Representatives after they lost, you know, almost two dozen seats. There clearly was no mandate to enact something like this, right? Um some kind of fundamental transformation, but that's exactly what this is. And, and we'll get into the specifics, but, you know, especially on, you know, in conservative circles, you hear a lot about um, sort of, you know, the wolf is at the door talk. I mean, this is that, right? Think of uh, how, what Obamacare was like, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago. This bill spends more than 40% more than Obamacare just on the healthcare provisions. And healthcare is one tiny fraction of this bill the overall cost, $3.5 trillion. I mean, that is astronomical. And it's not just how much it spends, but what it would do, David. And what it would do is it would fu- it's a fundamental rejection of the American idea of self-determination in an attempt to turn us more into a European-style social welfare state where the government is involved in your life from cradle to grave. It, it is on. Un- 
maybe not unreal to me, but unseen to this level where they're going. It, it, look, you, you know, you, you get the Twitter and the social media back, you know, whatever public display, the example of, say, AOC, you know, walking the catwalk with tax the rich uh, while somebody takes a tax deduction on a $30,000 ticket and a $275,000 table. And you get that story. That's not the story. The story is that they just don't seem to care. So now let's bring that into the policy perspective. Because when you're emboldened, when you're in power, when you exercise that power, when you're in the position where you feel no one can stop you, you go further. And this three and a half trillion on top of trillions, this is just economically beyond belief, so it has to be deliberate. And then one other thing, Akash, to throw into this, we've printed, what, roughly 10-plus percent additional money, additional paper, if you will, or cloth technically in this country. What does this all mean? That's exactly right. We Prices are up 8% since last year. When you think of food and gas prices, it's far, far more than 8%. So Americans are already struggling to make ends meet. Those price increases are obviously far more than the wage gains uh, since, since August of 2020. They now want to pile $3 trillion of tax increases on top of that. And it's not just the tax increases, right? President Biden promised that he wouldn't raise taxes on anybody making under $400,000. There are so many blatant violations of that promise in here, David. We would never cover them in a, in a 10-minute conversation. But let's just run through a couple, right? There's $100 billion of a tobacco tax increase, not just on tobacco products, but vaping products. And then you've got things like several different versions of a carbon tax around the table. For example, there's a carbon tax on oil and gas development. That provision alone could raise the energy costs of the average family of more than $100 a year. And then you've got the corporate tax, right? They, they love this sort of class warfare narrative that the American people are simply not bought into, right? That's a very kind of ideological beltway point of view, this idea that we should punish the rich and punish big corporations. But who ends up paying the corporate tax? Workers pay the corporate tax in the form of lower wages and higher prices. And that's what they want to do by raising the corporate tax rate. Same thing with the individual income tax rate. When you raise that, who you're actually raising taxes on are small businesses. And so that's why we're seeing a huge, huge uprising, not just of conservatives or Republicans, but people all over the country. AFP activists have sent nearly 2 million letters to elected officials, 170,000 phone calls into members of Congress's offices. And so that's why you're seeing this should, you know, in theory, the Democrats would pass this on a party line vote, but it's very, very difficult to do so. They're hearing the American people out there, and it's vitally important that folks know what's at stake with this debate. This idea, and I look at the New York Times headline on, uh, you know, and their their view of this. Uh, the headline, from cradle to grave, Democrats and Biden expand the social safety net. All right, so let's do some numbers, you and I. Forty four workers to one retiree when the Great Society in quotes was launched. The number's now less than 8 to 1. Devaluation. Forget politics. Let's deal in economics here. How do you expand while contraction and devaluation is happening in any economics class, economics 101 or 202, and then tell me you're going to support a program? 
or any program. There, I mean, it, the, the math simply doesn't add up. And I'd make a, another point here that it actually gets to the disallowed accounting gimmicks that they're using. The $3.5 trillion figure is staggering, right? That would, on its own, be the most expensive bill ever passed, not just in the history of our country, David, in the history of the world, right? $3.5 trillion is unheard of. That number actually undersells the true cost because, as you mentioned, they want to create all these new entitlement programs, all these new benefits. You and I and the listeners all know once created entitlements and new benefits, they never go away. But what they're saying in this bill, they're saying that, you know, all these entitlements, some of them will sunset in five years. Some of them will only last eight years. They're saying they're temporary just to try to bring down the cost on paper. If you assume, you know, reality, which is that these programs will go through that entire sort of 10-year budget window that they use in Washington, the true cost is actually more like five or even five and a half trillion dollars. So there isn't enough money to pay for all the promises they're making, even with three and a half trillion dollars worth of tax increases, almost two trillion dollars of borrowing. It's simply not sustainable. It's going to raise costs on families, potentially worsen, worsen this inflation crisis and really just expand the government welfare state in a way that is antithetical to the American idea that has made us the most prosperous and innovative country in the history of the world. And that's why it's vitally important right now where we are in this debate that folks take action and contact their members of Congress. Let's talk inflation for for a moment, because that's not getting much of the headlines. It, it deflates, you know, these economic arguments, and I think that's why. But we're seeing inflation play out, yeah, by certain sectors, certain parts of the country, more so than others. But, you know, inflation, in another word we haven't heard in a long time, but something that concerns me is stagflation. In some areas, that seems to be already there. What do you, you know, am I off base here or what are we seeing? I mean, you know, we can get into the the specifics as much as we want. The thing is, for the average American family, it doesn't matter if it's stagflation or it's transitory inflation. You know, I I was on C-SPAN yesterday debating a progressive activist about progressive, you know, policy wonk about this. And he's trying to make all these excuses that, oh, it's transitory, it's post-COVID supply chain issues. I don't think the average American for whom beef prices are up almost 60% over the past year, energy prices up 32% over the past year, it doesn't matter, right? They're paying more at the pump. They're paying more for diapers, paying more for groceries. Um, And that's all coupled with throughout much of this year, you know, we couldn't get the economy going again because in a lot of states, government was paying folks more to stay at home than it was to get back to work. And so businesses were struggling to hire people. They were struggling to get their productivity back. And now you want to pile on $3.5 trillion of social welfare spending on top of that with $3 trillion of tax increases. It's a recipe for disaster for Bernie Sanders' ideological agenda is, is what we're dealing with right now. When you look at this uh, combined with, you know, t- killing sectors or slowing down sectors of the economy, that actually provide, along with their support systems, economic stability for the average American. The energy industry, for example, uh, being one of them, the supply chain for that on both sides of the equation, input, equipment, jobs hiring, the effect even on towns, localized economies, the output of that uh, cheaper energy for people who have less of a margin to work with. Putting all that together and looking at other ener- other sectors of the economy, uh, 
this this just sounds like a, a recipe for economic disaster. Oh, big time. And I'm glad you brought this up. There is about a trillion dollars worth of spending on uh, basically what are AOC's Green New Deal policies. And there's a couple that are grabbing headlines, right? They want this government-funded, unionized, civilian climate corps of activists and things like that. It's the real energy policies here that stand to do real damage to American families. And I'll give you one example. There is a carbon tax on oil and gas development on the table here. That provision alone, which is one of you know, half a dozen or more energy provisions, that one tax alone could raise the average family's natural gas bill by $100 a year. As recently as 2015, David, 25 million Americans reported foregoing food and medicine in order to pay their energy bills. And this could potentially worsen that, bring us back in that direction. And as far as what they're trying to roll back, a lot of the gains from the previous administration, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, utility companies alone passed along $90 billion, so it'll be $90 billion in savings onto energy consumers because of the corporate tax rate cut. So it's both the energy provision and the tax provision that they're going to roll back gains from the last administration, and American families are going to pay for it in the form of higher prices. And as you mentioned with the regulations, those are jobs, those are communities, that's our independence as a country uh, that's at stake. And so quite a bit to be worried about, and so much so that it's overwhelming. But hopefully Americans are starting to grasp you know, just how much we're undermining the idea of America with this bill. Um, and given that we're still you know, right in the middle of it, it's not too late to get involved. Um, you know, go to americansforprosperity.org and contact your member of Congress. Tell them to oppose this harmful Bernie Sanders package. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I hope there's some stoppage, some slowdown. I, but right now, even, even looking at these riders that are being written into the bill, Kerry Pickett talked about one earlier today to put $6.9 billion into unvetted, vetted or unvetted, but unvetted Afghan refugees. And then the fact that this would be a pathway to citizenship combined with lifetime support for an average age of 30 or less uh, for the individual. We're talking about 50 years of support at a cost. I mean, $6.9 billion won't cover it. No, and that's the thing. This, and this is sort of getting into Beltway speak. What they're doing here, you mentioned the word reconciliation. These are supposed to be only provisions that are directly have budgetary impacts, right? Taxes, spending, what have you. They're trying to include all kinds of like really substantive policy changes in here. You know, labor changes. You mentioned energy changes, immigration changes. Reasonable people can disagree on those issues, but they have no business in a reconciliation package. Um, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to use their partisan majorities to ram through a fundamental transformation of the country. And I'll give you another really quick rider that folks should be extremely concerned about. 87,000 new IRS agents who will have access to bank account information of every single American. I, I, I'm astounded that this hasn't gotten more attention, but they will have access to the bank account information of every single American, an agency that already has a track, track, track record of targeting people based on their politics, not being able to handle the information they're taking in, you know, being slow, being unresponsive. 87,000 new agents, bank account information for every single American. And you're seeing pushback, right, from some moderate Democrats who are afraid of losing their seats, Senator Manchin right. from the red state of West Virginia. So the votes are not necessarily baked in, David. We have a chance to stop this if folks are willing to speak up, talk to their friends and neighbors, and contact their members of Congress, because this is that fundamental 
um, but it's not going to be easy to pass, and it shouldn't be easy to pass if people are getting involved. Yeah. By the way, they had initially $80 billion for the IRS. Devil in the details there. They weren't clear about whether that was one tranche of funding or over the 10 years, you know, the typical government increase, right? You, you don't spend the funding, but you get the normal plus up. You start adding 7% a year or even something a little lower than that. And what happens? You create a funding stream, an agency that grows. And when they demand more, it gets put in. I mean, this, this, is, this is weaponizing agencies and bureaucracies uh, against the American people. And, and that's, that's an old play. We've seen it used and abused by both sides to some degree over the years. But now it's on full display. Akash Shaguli, my friend, always, always good to have you here. Uh, just thanks for giving me one more thing to worry about today. You got it. Hope folks get involved. Appreciate you having me on, David. All right. Thank you. Akash Shaguli, VP of Economic Opportunity at Stand Together, Senior Policy Advisor for Economics at AFP, 866-95-PATRIOT, 957-2874. Back to your calls on the other side of the break. 